Hello and welcome to CigarCast, a weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We're recording live from Crown Cigars and Nails here in beautiful Brentwood, Tennessee. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Debman, and I'm joined as I am every week by Mr. Shane Reeves. Tonight's podcast will be contested under the Marcus of Queensberry rules, just so you know. (laughs) I've always loved that concept. I've always loved the concept that, okay, we're going to have a fight, but before we start... We're going to identify how we're going to fight. Yeah. the um, Well, it's the honor. You know, we're going to kill each other like civilized men. That's right. We're going to beat each other's brains out. Yeah. And uh, one of my favorite scenes in our, in The Quiet Man is when Micheline fires the gun. says, please observe the Marcus of Queensberry rules. Non-belligerents, please return to their station. <laughs> and, uh, but let's light up some cigars before, before we begin this battle. Well, speaking of which, I think... Do we have a, a cigar cast first recording on a Friday night? I think so. I don't think we've ever recorded on a Friday night before. I think this leaves only Sunday left that we haven't recorded on. That's true. Yeah. So, uh, okay, so next Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> but I, well, the problem is it comes out on Saturday, so that means it's yeah. got to set an entire exactly. week. Exactly. And who knows what can happen in the cigar industry in a week. All right, so why don't you, you've got something with a really fancy band over there. Why don't you tell me about it? So this is another one of the ones I brought back with me from um, Corona Cigars. It's the Cordoba and Morales Finca Santa Fe. So this is a very different cigar, very limited special edition. Um, I Normally, it's a 6x52. Normally, I would not pay $20 for that cigar. And all just because of the size and yeah. not knowing enough. And Cordoba and Morales is not really known for expensive cigars. They're not, but they are known for very, very good cigars. Right. So I'm I'm went a lot on their reputation and the the um, recommendation of the gentleman that was there. So I'm interested to see. So this is supposed to be a Nicaraguan cigar. The wrapper is an undisclosed Criollo '98. All right. The binder is undisclosed, and the filler is undisclosed. But the the wrapper itself is 20 years old. That's crazy. Yeah. So I'm interested to see how this works. Um, I've, I bought it to smoke on the cruise ship, and then I said, no, I want to smoke this one on the podcast. So tell everyone about your cigar. Um, all right. Well, I will. Well, I'm, I'm not going to go into how I got this cigar just yet, because that's going to lead into our first topic. Um, this is the Tatuaje Kruger, or Tatuaje the Kruger, I guess. Um, part of the Monster series that came out in 2016. This was, um, let's see, Mexican San Andreas made by My Father Cigars, Nicaraguan, Nicaraguan uh, filler and binder, seven and a quarter by 48. Is that really a 48? That looks a lot bigger than 48 to me. Well, and it's it's kind of a Salomon box press, a torpedo box press. Yeah, it's that um, it's it's an oval more than a box press, I think, because the top and bottom are quite flat, but the sides are rounded. It's a very interesting shape. Um, yeah, it's a it's a huge cigar. Um, but yeah, so this is two years ago. Right. And so it is about the time of year where we're getting into the the bride is coming out this year. Yeah, the bride is coming out this year, and it will be the last of the monster series that Tatawahi produces. So, so let's talk about the monster series just a little bit. I'm sure anyone who's listening to this show knows kind of what they did and what they're doing. But uh, it started back in 2008 with the Frank. 
Right. And so this is interesting. The way they named all these to keep from getting into copyright infringements. It's like, okay, we're going to name them these things, but we're not, and we're not really going to let on, but everybody's going to kind of know and all, because they had the Frank, the Drac, the Face, which I assume is from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, Leatherface. The Wolfman, the Mummy, JV13, <laughs> Jason Voorhees, Friday the 13th. The Jekyll uh, and the Hyde. Yep. And then the Kruger, and then last year was the Mike, the Myers, Michael yeah. Myers. Yeah. I think they actually just called it the Michael. Yeah. And that one was pretty good. I did not win the monster game. The cigar you're smoking is one that I won on the monster poker game that we have every year. When the Tatawahi comes in, we all throw a little in the kitty and buy a box and play a poker game, winner take all. And I won the Kruger, but I did not manage to win the Michael. So I've got to say, I'm really excited about this. This will be the first time I've ever smoked any of the monster series. And that includes the Little Monsters, the Pudgy Monsters. This will be my first Monster Series cigar. And I'm a huge Tatawahe fan. Tatawahe makes a good cigar. And the Monster Series is kind of a divergence from what they normally do. Because they do the dress boxes and the fancy boxes and the fancier. Still don't get too far out there on the labels. Right. They don't. It it looks like a Tatawahe label. In fact, this particular one looks a bit like a military issue cigar. But, of course, it's got that... It's a green band with uh, red lettering and pinstriping, so it kind of follows the Kruger motif, which is kind of neat. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they you know, they do the dress boxes for 13 shops, but everybody else gets them in a pretty plain box, which is standard to their... Yeah, the, they only put out 666 of the dress boxes, so they only go to 13 shops. And those can go super high on eBay and things like that. Yeah, I but meant th- to look that. I meant to look the price up of what they're going for now before we started recording. I didn't get the opportunity, but I'm sure they're up there in the 30 to maybe even $40 range at this point. Oh, yeah. And then if you want a full box, a full dress box, you're going to pay several hundred. Yeah, absolutely. So... But I've, I've, I've realized after last week when I listened to the podcast that I'm a terrible friend and I didn't get you a cigar for your birthday. <laughs> well, so that was, that's the etiquette question that, that I kind of brought up when you gave me the cigar tonight, which is, you know, I've always said cigar etiquette is when someone gives you a cigar to smoke, you smoke it right then. But so, you know, we sit down to record, we're putting everything, and then you put the cigar in my hand. And this is not just any old cigar. This is a very limited run to special cigar. Typically, when you give me a cigar, I smoke it right then. So it was one of those, does it being a birthday gift or a gift of any kind kind of trump the etiquette of you need to smoke it now? So you see, I believe the specialness of the cigar comes into the factor of it because that's a that one has been in my humidor. When they come out, they needed a little seasoning. That one's been in my humidor for two years. Yeah. So, which I thought makes it the perfect gift because you're I'm not just, you know, I could have went in there and bought you a $20 Padron that I know you would have loved. But something that I've actually cared for for two years, it's like giving you your own puppy. <laughs> After it's already been housebroken. Yeah. Uh, no, and I really appreciate that. So thank you. Um, but yeah, that was, a you know, Obviously, being that we're recording, it made it that much more Im- impressive a cigar to smoke on the air. So I'm, I'm, I'm 
honored to that you tr- entrusted me with one of these. I'm really looking forward to it, and it's it's doing a lot for me right at the beginning. It tastes like a Tatawahe for sure, though. It's definitely one, if they came out and said, okay, we're just going to release the Monster Series for wide purchase, I would probably buy another box of the Krugers and a box of the Michael. It's funny because you can really taste the Tatawahe, and it, it tastes a little bit like the Unicos. No, no, it tastes like the uh, the Grand Kahuna. I, I get a little bit of that flavor, but the fact that it was made in the My Father factory, you can taste that too. It's that the Nicaraguan tobacco in. I'm guessing. I'm guessing. I'm tasting the filler in this case and not the binder, but it definitely tastes like a like a My Father cigar. So like, well, they're playing well together. And I believe that one has the San Andreas wrapper. It does, on. Yeah. And all, and it's one of the only monsters to actually come out with the San Andreas wrapper. And in 16 was a big year for San Andreas wrappers. It was. <laughs> Seemed like everybody and their brother tried to do it. But, of course, you know, this year Romeo released the Romeo San Andreas, yeah. which I really enjoyed. Yeah, for about the best past two years, it's it's been... I think they were a little ahead of the game. It was more last year that I started to notice, but... But yeah, I'm really I'm really excited about this cigar. So thank you. But back to the back to the etiquette question. Yeah. So if someone just goes in the humidor and purchases a cigar and hands it to you, I believe you're under obligation to smoke it right then with them. Yeah, absolutely. Unless they unless you let them know beforehand that like I'm I'm not staying for another cigar and they insist on giving you another giving you one anyway. I think that's okay. You know what I mean? Like, you hate to be the guy that's like, here, have a cigar. It's like, oh, thanks. I'm actually leaving. Right. I'm headed out the door. Yeah. But so you want to be, you want to prep them with that beforehand if that's going to be the case, if you can. I mean, you know, it's the good thing about etiquette is there's always a way around it, right? You know, yes, ideally, if someone gives you a cigar, you smoke it with them and right then, you know, that becomes the next cigar that you smoke, even if it's one that you don't particularly care for. That's how I feel anyway. Well, and then the the other exception to the rule being, you know, like we just got new um, Opus shipment in here at the yeah. shop, and he got the Opus Double Coronas, which are very hard to find. If somebody bought one of those and handed it to me, hey, Shane, thanks for saving my kid out of that well, something like that, then that's yeah. okay to take home and say, oh, I need to save this. This yeah, is not absolutely. just a... Uh, any Friday night cigar. Yeah, and but that's one of those things for me too. As as a piece of that, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say thank you. I appreciate it. I'm gonna say, I hope you don't mind, but I think I'd really like to sit on this for a while and save it for a special occasion. Well, especially an Opus. Yeah, exactly. Because Op- those those age so well. Yeah, and they benefit from age. Yeah. You know, a Davidoff really don't benefit from age. Uh, a Davidoff don't have enough complexity flavor yeah to really benefit from age you can let a davidoff sit around until it turns into dust it's not going to taste any better well because they're so smooth to begin with it's there's a a very small uh cigar brand called paul grammarian that you you really have to search for to find my my old shop back in atlanta which i actually got to visit this week had a lot of fun um they used to be a Paul Grammarian shop, and they, before they even hit the shelves, were already at least 15 years old. And every, not just the wrapper, 
the binder, the filler, the wrapper, everything was 15 years old. So you didn't really, as long as they were properly humid, humidified by the time you got to them, you didn't need to let them age. They'd already taken care of all that for you. And it's why you were paying 30 bucks a stick for it. Sure, you're paying for their storage. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you're paying rent. Yeah. You know, it's the, it's the reason why 15-year-old scotch costs less than 12-year-old scotch. Right. You're, you're paying the rent. But, so something else interesting that's been put out this week. Crown Heads is adding a Drew Estate Made Ohio exclusive. This had you written all over it to me. Well, no, this had the cigar cast written all over it, doesn't it? Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of right up both of our alleys and all. It's going to be a 6x48 Parejo, and it's going to be called Buckeye Land. And I'm not sure how that what, goes. What is the connection to Ohio, I wonder? I don't know. I mean, I, you understand the Tennessee cigar. Right. You understand the Texas cigar. Yeah. I even understand the Hawaii cigar because it's, you know, you get to ride off your next trip to Hawaii. <laughs> exactly. And all, but I'm not sure what the Ohio connection is. Yeah, because there's not even a connection for Jonathan Drew to Ohio. I could understand if it was a New York cigar. Right, Brooklyn. Yeah. And all, but it uses a Mexican San Andreas wrapper. There we go. The devil, Connecticut broadleaf binder and fillers from Nicaragua and Pennsylvania. That is going to be phenomenal, by the way. When was the last time, if ever, that you heard of a Connecticut broadleaf being used in a binder? Yes, I, I agree. I think that's going to be very good. It's a phenomenal wrapper cigar, or wrapper leaf. And to put that underneath a Mexican San Andreas, both of those packing so much flavor, that is going to be a brilliant recipe. Well, and pricing set at $9.60 a cigar, and it'll be in Ohio retailers in late October. I'm all over. Any listeners in Ohio, reach out facebook.com slash the cigar cast. We want to get our mitts on a, a couple of these. Yeah, we're going to have to figure out a way in on this. Yeah, and I really don't want to have to drive to Ohio. Well, but I think, you know, like you could call here at Crown and you could ask Austin to order a box of Tennessee Waltz and ship them to you, and it could yeah. be done that way. Mm-hmm. Check local listings, state and federal regulations may apply. But, but I should be able to, con- to contact a retailer... In Ohio, yeah, in Ohio sure. and just say, hey, send me a box of the... You know, the problem is they're not going to send you two cigars. It, that's the problem. you got to buy a whole box, which I, I don't have any... Uh, I, I don't think that we're in any danger of those not going unsmoked. Yeah, I don't think those could go bad. But it's the bad. fact that you do have to buy a whole box. And I, you well, know, what we may do is we may go in halvers on a box. I think I think <laughs> we might have to do that. Have them sent in. But now sometimes they, you know, the Yellow Rosa Texas popped up at Casa de Monte Cristo before they re-released it. Yeah. Because they had been back ordered on Tennessee Waltz for so long. Right. But that was after they had already done the, what was it, the Prohibition Weekend or the, the Lawless, Lawless Week. Lawless Week. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it was on the, they had already started to do the wider release at that point. So I wonder if that had something to do. I'm sure it'll end up in wider release. I just don't know that I can wait that long. But so, you just said something uh-huh. that, do you have a, a, a moral problem with the word habsies? No. Oh, okay. I, I've known some, <laughs> this is, we're going off the rails for a minute. I know or have known multiple people in my life, men, who feel like the word habsies is a little too, a little too emasculating and they refuse to use it. So you said halfers or something uh, like that. I said that. havers, yeah. Yeah. And I was just made me wondering if you had some moral um, or, or otherwise 
some some reason for being against the word halvesies. So when I say minners, do you think I believe that minnows is too effeminate or tomatoes? I believe that tomatoes no. is too effeminate. <laughs> but but, but <laughs> havers and halvesies is different. It's not like they're minnowies. Well, you might you might see the word halvesies in a nursery rhyme. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't see the word haver, havers in a nursery rhyme. No. At all. So I can see that. But no, morally, you know, I'm glad you brought this up. Allow Imagine me to, how good we'd be if we practiced. Yeah. Allow me to take a draw off my cigar and explain this to our fellow human beings. Chill out. <laughs> Quit worrying. You know, I don't have a gear where I get offended. I don't have a gear where I feel like I didn't get that job because I'm overweight. I didn't get that job because I'm white. I didn't get that job because I'm American. I don't have that gear. I don't have a gear where a customer comes in and I say, well, for some reason far beyond my control, I'm not going to get that project. You know, the, the great. so as most things in life, I have to tie this back to professional wrestling. Of course. There was a great professional wrestler named Drew McIntyre. Okay. Drew McIntyre was the chosen one. He was on line to a main event push. Got into a fight in his hotel room with his girlfriend. Turned out it was more his girlfriend than him. The police got called. Not sure which of them called the police, but he never laid a hand on her. But he got fired by the WWE because they cannot mess with domestic violence of any kind. Right. Well, after he got fired with WWE, he had two choices. He says, either I can rail against the WWE and how unfair it was that I got fired, or I can go out and work so hard that they can afford, they cannot afford not to hire me back. Yeah. I can go become such a professional, such a great wrestler, that they cannot see their roster without me. And he decided to go that road. Yeah. Was it the harder road? Yes. But it was the one that made the most sense. Well, sir, I, I read a great quote today that was, uh, it was, it was an article online. I should have bookmarked it because I, I want to go back and read it multiple times. And it was talking about, you know, the piece of advice that completely changed the way that, you know, someone's outlook on life or whatever. And one of them was talking to a guy who's in a wheelchair. He says, don't you feel like sort of confined to the wheelchair? Don't you feel like that kind of holds you back? Or, you know, do you ever feel that way? And the guy says, why would I feel confined to the wheelchair? The wheelchair is what gives me my life back. Without the wheelchair, I'd be bed bound. Right. You know, so it's a matter of perspective. Yeah, like you can see it as holding you back from this or you can see it as as being a step forward from that. It's all a matter of perspective. It's the same kind of thing. Well, you know, I play a game. My inner psychoanalyst plays a game. When I see people, I think, you know, if I could speak one piece of wisdom into their life. Mm Mm-hmm. And it would change their life forever and make it better. What would that piece of wisdom be? I can tell you this piece of wisdom, and I guarantee you, you know exactly who in the shop I would speak this to. People don't care about what you know till they know about what you care. Yeah. You know exactly who I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, I do. <laughs> and all. And it's, it's kind of an interesting game because it kind of forces you to analyze yourself and, say, and listen to other people. Okay, what are they trying to speak into my life. And if you're so concerned to bring this back full circle, if you're so concerned with somebody offending you by the wording they use that you miss the message, how much life, how exhausting must that be? Well, but it also goes to a, a deeper problem or not problem, but it goes to a deeper thing of 
think of all the times in your life where you've done something embarrassing or been embarrassed. You can probably come up with a baker's half dozen right off the top of your head, right? Sure. Think of all the times that you've ever been embarrassed for someone else. It doesn't... It, it, it would take you a while to come up with something, right? Yeah, if, you, might, you might feel bad for them and laugh a little, but that's about it. But, but that would have been at the time. And, and to go back and think of a time where someone else was truly embarrassed by something, the way you feel embarrassed by, you know, something, you probably have a hard time. And, and what that tells me is that no one cares the, about something the way I care about it. So, like, using a word that maybe makes you sound a little bit effeminate or using or, or tripping over the sidewalk or whatever, like don't hold on to those things. Don't, don't live your life according to what other people perceive you as because they're going to forget. Well, and a, a commanding vocabulary is a very valuable part of life. It is. And choosing the words you use do matter. And all. I, I hate when people are leaving and they say cheers. Right. Well, see, that is something that I feel very passionately about. And we've had enough conversations that you know that that is something that I I absolutely agree with. I pride myself on having a rather extensive vocabulary. And I tend, as I've said on the podcast before, to not use a $6 word when there's a $20 word available. Uh, But it's also because words are important. You know, um, words that mean the same don't have the same meaning. And so choosing something out of specificity, you know, see you later means more than, or, or means something different than, you know, I, I don't Vaya know. Vaya con Dios, muchachos. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry, it's Friday and I'm just like, I'm, my brain is so gone. But you know what I mean? Like, like later and goodbye mean the same thing, but they have different meanings. Well, I, I say that example because I had a, a Hispanic gentleman, a really great guy. He worked for us a long time. He had to move back to Texas. He came, and he and I were tight. Me yeah. and Pablo were tight. He was one of the greatest help I ever had in my life. He was slow, but when he was done, everything was done right. Yeah. And I don't, I don't mind anybody being slow as long as it's done right. And he came back, and his son-in-law brought him back to visit us. And his son-in-law told me, vaya con Dios, muchachos, before he left. I thought, you know, I could never pull that off. But on him, it's perfect. Right. It's like, it's like the word directly. I'll use Somebody will ask me, when are you going to do that? I'll do it here directly. Yeah. Directly is something I learned from my grandfather. Directly is a unit of time between six minutes and 18 days. <laughs> <laughs> and my grandmother would always say, well, Bill, when are you going to go do this? I'll get to it here directly. And we knew that was the end of the conversation and that at some time before the next 18 days, it would happen. But that's as much as you were going to nail him down. That's as as small as the window was going to get. Well, I'm sure everyone's not to, you know, continue to beat this dead horse, but I'm sure everyone remembers their first girlfriend in high school when, you know, and how the the difference between love you and I love you. You know, there's there's always I, I remember having to have that conversation or having that conversation had at me. Um, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's that whole, yeah, word, words have, have very specific meaning when they're used intentionally. They do. And it's very important to kind of measure and consider your words mm-hmm. and to craft the conversations you're going to have. We could sit here and do a podcast for days on just conversations 
that I've had to craft in my life, uncomfortable conversations that I've had to have. Speaking of which, we don't do this often, but if this is the kind of thing that does interest you, there's a great podcast called The Allusionist. Not illusionist, not magician stuff, but allusionist, like when you allude to something, make an illusion. Um, and it's all about word origins and phrase origins and kind of, it, it's very it's very word nerdy. But it's, uh, Helen Zaltzman is a um, British woman who's I'm so just, glad you didn't say cunning linguist. <laughs> No. Uh, she's a British woman who I've listened to other podcasts of hers for over a decade and is just so intelligent and is one of those people that is very, very diligent in word choice. And it's a great podcast to listen to if you kind of get into that sort of thing. So I thought I'd plug that. Well, so we're going to stop for a minute. This uh, Finca Santa Fe is really something. I'll have to give a full description when I get back because I'm going to have to craft this description in order to be able to portray this cigar and you are smoking that thing so fast, too. You're already down a, to the band. I'm smoking the cover off of it. You sure are. Well, all right. Well, we will be back with that description and more after this. Trey here with this week's Cigar Under $8. I want to talk about a cigar that I talked about a lot when it first came out and just went back and had one for the first time in a long time. I actually had two this week. It's the uh, Tarano Vault Yellow Label. It's also called the C-033. But, you know, what they've done with this line is that everything's color-coded. You may have passed this by in a humidor because it had a yellow label. And yellow labels, for by and large, tend to be lighter cigars. I don't know what it is. Uh, the Camacho is that way. Uh, most Connecticut's are yellow, kind of like Nicaraguans or orange. Um, this is a full-bodied cigar. It's a Mexican San Andreas wrapper over Cameroon binder and filler. Um, no, the filler is broadleaf and Nicaraguan. This cigar is so flavorful. It's got a great recipe and a great pedigree. And the best thing about it is... It is six bucks a stick. Yeah, I've walked past that cigar. You, we were talking about what's a cigar under eight for this week, and you mentioned this one. And I think back to how many times I've walked past that cigar. Now, next time I'll have to pick one up and give it a try. Yeah, and I've smoked a lot of their line. One of the things that's great now on the newer boxes, when they first released, they didn't do this, but on the newer boxes, they actually put on the lid of the box, you know, the wrapper. The, so that kind of helps because you really don't have any other way of knowing what each of these blends are. And it kind of, you're kind of fishing in the dark. But with this, I was, I saw it on the humidor. I, I needed a cheap cigar for the trip down to Atlanta. And I saw this and I tried it and I loved it. Sounds great. Enjoy the yellow label Tarano Vault. And welcome back to the Cigar Cast. This is one of your hosts, Shane, sitting across from Trey. I promise not to hijack the show quite so much the second half. Oh, don't worry. That happens all <laughs> the time. And, you know, I've, it's interesting because I listen to a lot of podcasts. And the podcasts I enjoy have a wider base but a central theme. And that's always kind of, if we had to say what's our mission on the Cigar Cast, it's to enjoy cigars but also to add a little entertainment, add a little wisdom, add a little thought-provoking moments. Well, you know, it's like the tagline on the website says, you know, two guys enjoying life one cigar at a time. Like, it's more than just the cigar. The, the cigar is a, is a vehicle 
or a catalyst to the enjoyment of life and all its other affairs. And the, the cigar lifestyle lends itself to that. You know, it, you it really, really do. You tend to surround yourself with a little more successful men. Mm-hmm. You tend to surround yourself with people that are friendlier, more giving. It's just a difference in the the lifestyle. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so the Finca Santa Fe, it's not like any Cordoba and Morales I've ever smoked. It's like a very, very good Cuban. If you had to say to me, okay, Shane, what does, you know, if I went in totally blind having never lit a Cuban cigar and said, what do you think the legendary Cuban cigar would taste like? You know, rolled under the full moon on the thigh of a virgin. Right. This is what that cigar would taste like to me. It's, you get sweet and then you get a little sour and then you get a little hints of oak and a little nut and you get a little... So many things going on in this cigar, it's hard to keep track of. You're, but you're experiencing that cigar. Oh, yeah. Experiencing it fully. And it's, it's a full... I mean, the wrapper is that perfect tooth. Not real rough. Not real smooth. It doesn't feel like it's been belt sanded, but it's not so rough that you're grinding your fingerprints off. Right. The, the, the Kruger, sm- by contrast, does have that really rough, toothy wrapper. Yeah. That's that San Andreas, though. It's that San Andreas, and it's also the fact that it's the Monster series. Yeah. It, it should look a little bit threatening. Yeah. It, it should have a face only a mother could love. Yeah. But the flavor, I mean, this is definitely worth Padron money. That's probably the highest, highest compliment I can pay to a cigar, is this is worth Padron money. And it's just a great cigar, and that band is just beautiful. I mean, the band on that cigar really is amazing. Is. And I actually believe the Ciudad de Musica copied their band design off of this one. It's it, similar col- color scheme, but I don't know that I'd go that far. So what are you thinking about the Kruger? I'm really liking it. You know, it's it's being such a long cigar at seven and a quarter inches, it's taking a minute to warm up and to really get everything out of it. But as I'm about halfway through it now, not not quite halfway through it, I'm really starting to feel some of that spice on the back of my tongue. It's really developing into quite a, quite an impressive cigar. I mean, that, that Mexican San Andreas is, is, really, is really bringing a lot of flavor to the party. It, and it's playing so nicely with the rest of the tobacco in this recipe. I can, I can really see why they saved this recipe for a special release. And I think I'm enjoying this cigar more because we're doing this on a Friday night. Because usually when we record on a Wednesday or a Thursday, I'm still, my mind is still working. Absolutely. And I know, you know, tomorrow I'm going down to Wayne County. I'm going to set up deer stands. I'm just going to spend time in the woods. Everybody out there, take a little time and go spend in the woods. You'll be amazed. Leave the cell phone at home. Go out, sit next to a tree, listen to the squirrels. Even if it's just for an hour. You know, it's... We... I got off work last night. Work has been really stressful lately. Just because I'm, I'm heading a, a huge project that's enterprise-wide. Meanwhile, I've still got my regular job to do on top of it. And a couple of other projects that I'm juggling as well. And it's just been really stressful lately. And, you know, my girlfriend was out of town for... She was overseas for 18 days... She got back on Saturday. I left for Atlanta for a work trip on Sunday. I got to see her for an hour for every day she was gone. 18 hours later, I'm in the car headed down to Atlanta. So I haven't seen or spent time with her in basically a month. 
And so after work yesterday was really the first time that we got to kind of get back to normal. And so we got off work and we just went for a hike. And I've got to tell you, yeah, we we didn't leave the cell phones in the car just because that's not a smart idea. But I mean, and we just went for like a two and a half, almost three mile hike in the woods. And it just, you kind of, you leave work behind, you leave the world behind, even if it's just for a few moments, go take a walk in the woods. Yeah, it's it's absolutely, everybody should spend a little time just in forest therapy. Yeah. You know, that's one of the reasons I love deer hunting. I love being out there in the woods. I love the cold, crisp morning and the owls and everything coming up. I just, I love everything about it. And, I, you know, trail running is one of those things that I don't do a whole lot because it is a lot harder than just running out on the road or on a track or whatever because you get a much steeper grades and things like that. But that's one of the things I love about a trail run. Even if it's not your fastest run, even if it's not your best, you still enjoy just being out there. I mean, I've I've been on trail runs where it's been down, you know, where it's rained two inches during the half hour I was out there. And it's still great just to be in the woods and experiencing that. I, I, there's really very little to compare. So a quick back to cigars for a moment. Quick legislative update. It seems that the premium cigar exemption bill is really getting some momentum behind it. Yeah, I saw um, Half Wheel and a couple of our friends, or no, not Half Wheel, Cigar Aficionado, and a couple of our friends in the industry posted a, a link on Facebook this week about how um, you know it's going to come down to a vote. It's getting close, and we're starting to see more people finally take a stand on one side or the other. It is nice that it's coming down, and I, I think Nate McIntyre made the best point about this. One, most cigar shops are not multinational corporations. They're mom-and-pop organizations. Most cigar companies, boutique cigar companies, are mom-and-pop organizations, traditions handed down, even the great big ones. Yeah. And even Padron is a family operation. Also, if America all of a sudden cut their cigar consumption way back, it would cripple the Nicaraguan economy. Yeah. And the Dominican, for that matter. Yeah, it would hurt the Dominican economy. It would hurt the Nicaraguan economy. It would, I mean, all these South American Caribbean countries, it would really impact their economy to see this legislation go through. And because by nature, there would be less cigar sales. Right. There would be less variety. There would be less people seeking out the tobacco. It could really cripple their economy. So this ain't just about mining your ability to enjoy a cigar. No, this is about people's livelihoods. It is, and it's and it's over. It's just a cash grab. Yeah, it is the FDA trying to make a cash grab, which is just a ridiculous reason to do anything. I'm absolutely appalled. But that's the end of the legislative update. All right, keep it short and sweet. I like <laughs> that's that. That's right. I've, I I have if I crawl up on my soapbox, knock it out from under me. Okay. And also, want to ask about. We, told, we teased it last night. Go-to cigars. Certain cigars that at certain times are the, are the go-to for that, that particular smoking. You know, we teased it last week. What's your bedtime cigar? Lately, mine has been the Avo Heritage. Although I've already smoked through my box that I bought two months ago, so I need to either get another one or find another cigar for that purpose. Um, 
Yeah, it's just, it's a smooth cigar. It's not real peppery, so it doesn't really deliver a whole lot of, you know, excitement's the wrong word, because it, it, it is an exciting cigar flavor-wise. But it just, to me, is a little bit nicer. F- for me, some things of a little bit nicer echelon are calming, if that makes sense, because it forces you to slow down and appreciate. You know, I could smoke a $4 cigar, but I'm not thinking about that cigar. If I'm smoking a $12 cigar, I'm slowing down. I'm appreciating it. And I'm getting, and, and so it kind of forces me into that more real relaxation mode. And so anything along those lines becomes a very good bedtime cigar for me. So it's interesting that you choose your cigar based on the, the quality of the cigar, the class of cigar for bedtime. I tend to choose it due to the strength of the cigar. Because I'll usually choose if I'm, you know, if I'm heading toward that, I never smoke after eight o'clock. Rarely ever smoke after eight o'clock. Which is funny because I was just lighting my cigar when we talked last night at. Yeah, I know when you called, I was like, "It's nine thirty. What's he doing smoking a cigar at nine thirty? I'd yeah. never go to sleep." And I had just oh, <laughs> so, which is really funny you bring that up because at nine thirty, I was ready to go to sleep. Like, I've, I've just, again, stress level's been high. I've been traveling, so my sleep's a little off. And so we get back, plus I've just spent three days in the Eastern time zone. So it's it, my body's still about an hour ahead. So by the time we went on our hike, we were going to cook dinner. We, end, we ended up not, and so we just went out to eat. We get back to the house at, at like, 9.30. And, you know, the plan had been to smoke a cigar before we went to bed. And so I was like, okay. And But before we went outside, I was like, you know, and... You know, I, I mentioned she's coming from overseas. It was 12 hours ahead where she was, 13 or 14 hours, depending on the... So she's still trying to get on sleep schedule. And so I was like, all right, like, are we good? You know, we could just go to bed. It's 9.30. We could just go to bed now. I'm fine with that. And she was like, she's wired. She's like, no, no, let's... You know, okay. I, I basically get my cigar lit. And we're sitting in these Adirondack chairs outside. And she passes out. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, you know, I tend to choose, if I'm going to smoke that late evening cigar, if it's, say, 7.30, 7.45, and I'm like, you know, I'd like to have a cigar, I haven't got around to it today, I'll generally pick whatever the lightest cigar in my humidor is, a Camacho Connecticut or a Undercrown Shade or something that's a really mild cigar. I won't smoke a LFD right before bed. See, which is funny because for me, the stronger the cigar is, it tends to be more calming for me because I'm getting so much more flavor out of it. And so I'm, again, that that sort of reflection and relaxation, I, I get that out of that bolder cigar. Whereas a lighter cigar, a lot of times I'm not maybe not thinking about it or I'm thinking so much about trying, like, trying to get something out of it that it's pulling my head back into an active mode versus letting it go into a passive mode so another go-to cigar situation for me play poker here every tuesday yeah my poker cigar nine weeks out of ten is going to be a dna from a la aurora i've been smoking the heck out of that cigar lately Love that cigar, but what makes that my poker cigar is because usually I'm dealing and I'm orchestrating the game and kind of keeping everything going. I can lay that cigar down for an extended period of time and pick it up and not have to relight. Yeah. And that's really important. I mean, now you probably could get away with any 60 ring gauge cigar doing that. 
to a to a degree, but it's kind of that perfect amount of strength. If you're going to spread a cigar out over a three hour span, sitting there playing poker, and you're going to be picking it up and setting it down, picking it up and setting it down, and there's nights we start poker at seven, and at nine thirty, I've still got you know a third of a cigar left. Mm-hmm. I end up finishing it on the way home, which for you is crazy. Yeah, that's crazy slow smoking for me yeah. for the the pace at which I smoke. Right. But for some reason, that's just become my go-to poker cigar. I don't know what it is, but that seems perfect for that moment. So it's funny because I have another go-to cigar that's actually sitting in front of us in the ashtray because I went and grabbed it tonight because it's um, because I didn't know that you had one for me. This is my go-to Friday night cigar. Uh, about 15 months ago, um, I just on the way down. So my Friday nights... I get off work and I go down to Brentwood for a meeting. And the meeting starts at 6.30. I get off work at around 5, maybe a little before. So the Padron 4000 series is perfect. Six and a half by 56. Lasts a little over hour and a half. So I usually have a little bit left over to get down here afterwards. Um, And it's become... Just about every Friday night for the last, you know, year and three or four months, I have had that cigar on Friday. So what do you do with that cigar if you, do you ever light it and smoke it and then have to light it back up after the meeting? Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's no smoking during the meeting. Right. And I'll, how, where do you put it? Do you leave it in your car? Do, do you put it on the hood? How do you do that? So I, so I keep a, even though my car has a USB port, to plug the phone into it's one of the lower amperage ports so it doesn't charge my phone very quickly and a lot of times i'm on my phone and then i plug it in when i'm going here or there so i like having one of the chargers that you actually plug into what used to be a cigarette lighter but now is just used for phone chargers right and the accessory port i guess they call it and so i've got one with the 2.1 amp the ipad charger volt amperage and before our before our podcast gear was stolen, I used to have one that looked like a flux capacitor from Back to the Future. Right. And it was great because of the way my car is designed. It would it created a little V shape, and I could stick the cigar right in there, and it would kind of wedge it in and hold it. And so, but now that's been stolen. So I've got another one that is one that you can either plug into a wall or the car. So the little round piece that actually plugs into the adapter folds in to this little channel so when it's unfolded and plugged in there's this great little u-shaped uh channel on the top so i just just rested in there just like the little divot tool on the golf course just for the record this is probably the most visual description any human beings ever tried to portray via podcast to the (laughs) listeners (laughs) and all have y'all seen his hands going right now i'm scared he's going to smack the microphone if you hear a big (laughs) clang it's because he was making the u-shape and accidentally knocked the microphone off of the table (laughs) and all that may be the most visual thing that i've ever seen you did a good job i was about to say but you know exactly what i'm talking about i know exactly what you're talking about please facebook.com slash the cigar cast and ask Trey what he was talking about. He'll put a he'll put a picture of it online for you. Yeah, um, but yeah. So I've got this great little way of holding a cigar. No matter how much is left, I've actually held onto a cigar that's probably only about two inches long in that little spot without burning any of the 
the plastic around it without getting in the way, without dumping ash. And it's just, yeah, so I usually leave it right there, leave the doors cracked, and or leave the windows cracked, rather. And it's ready to go. I mean, I'm not usually a, hand of, uh, a fan of picking a cigar back up and relighting it after it's been sitting for an hour. Just because, you know, like I've said before, I don't mind relighting a cigar. But once it goes cold, that's when you start to to see those changes in flavor. But it's only 10 minutes down the road from here. So it's enough to get me back down, finish it off. And then how long does a cigar last without being puffed? How long will a cigar sustain fire without you puffing it before it goes out? That depends on the cigar and the environment. In very windy conditions, it's not going to last nearly as long as it does in still conditions. And So do you open your car door and like a, a plume of smoke bellow out? Well, no, because it, like I said, I keep the windows cracked. Nobody's so ever ran in the meeting and said somebody in the parking lot's car is on fire? <laughs> no. Um, but it'll sit there and smolder for a little bit. But then, you know, like you mentioned, you know, the, the bigger ring gauge, it... That'd be a big cigar. The, the, you just held up approximately the size of a five-gallon bucket. <laughs> I would like one of those. Um, I'd love to see you smoke that. But no, the bigger the ring gauge, the longer it's going to smolder. Like you said, that DNA that you smoke at poker is about a 6 by 60 So, yeah, the bigger ring gauge is probably going to stay lit of its own accord a little bit longer than, say, a Lancero. Speaking of which, I did smoke. Have you ever seen the Drew Estate egg? Mm-hmm. I did smoke one of those at wrestling one night, and we did not know whether to smoke it or to storm Frankenstein's castle with it <laughs> at all. It did look like a torch. It was a cooler night, and everybody was huddled around the warmth of for my fire. cigar <laughs> <laughs> for the evening. But yes, I'm, okay. Well, I was I was wondering that. I've always because the cheap side of me says, "How many puffs am I losing if I just set that cigar down?" I don't. I think you. I think you only lose a couple of puffs. You know, for letting it go out like that. I mean, because, yeah, it is going to burn down a little bit, but where you really burn off the cigar is the draw. And that's another thing. If, if you leave it, I used, to have, I used to have a WRX, and it was a 2003, so it was before they had the, the little shorty antennas that, they all, that all cars right. have now. It had a metal aerial antenna that came right off the, um, right off the top of the windshield on the driver's side. And it, it was great because it wasn't, it wasn't motorized, but you could pull it out or you could push it down. So you could push it down, make it more aerodynamic. You could pull it out and get better reception. And the way it was angled was perfect that whenever I got out of the car, I could slide the cigar down no matter what size it was because you just slide it down until it got to that friction point and it would hold it right there until I came back to it. I'm telling you, that is a feature I look for on a car, is how well I can hold on to a cigar when I walk away from my car until I get back. Well, you know, when, we, when we're yard selling, if I decide to have a cigar while we're yard selling, if we're having a particularly long session, and all where the um, feet pads are on the tailgate of my truck are perfect, because that's the perfect cup to lay a cigar right down inside. This really yeah. wasn't... This really podcast should be labeled MacGyvering Your Cigar. Right. <laughs> But it really wasn't intended to be that way. No. It just turned out that way tonight. But I do think it's interesting. My only other really go-to cigar is I always find myself going to the Undercrown Shade if I'm having an early morning cigar. Yeah. Uh, I like the Oliva O for that. That's about the lightest of my regular cigars. 
that I always have on hand. Um, but yeah, I tend to go for a Connecticut. I haven't had a San Cristobal Eleganza in a while. I might have to pick one of those up tonight. Tomorrow's going to be a lazy day where we're just going to kind of slowly have Saturday morning. I think I might make a, a morning smoke happen tomorrow. Pick one up. Uh, San Cristobal Colossus Elega- or uh, Eleganza. I thought the El Gigante was the... No, uh, Elegancia, so elegant. Elegancia, okay, I thought you said El Gigante. Oh, no, 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 no. Um, It's, in my opinion, one of the best Connecticut cigars on the market. It is phenomenal in terms of its flavor. Does he have them here? I believe he does. Yeah, I'll I'll point it out to you. Yeah, yeah, after the show, you'll have to show me. I'll have to pick one up and give it a shot. Yeah, I love the... So the Revelation, as far as San Cristobal cigars go, the Revelation is probably my favorite, although I haven't had one in a while it's a sun-grown wrapper and so it's about a medium to medium plus but lots of flavor for that and uh, the elegancia was one of those that i just got my hands on one time back but back when i wasn't smoking connecticut's at all when i was still in that mode of stronger heart like more 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 and i just remember picking that up and going wait a minute why am i getting this much flavor out of a connecticut you know and it just really changed my way of thinking that was kind of that was about five years ago when I started getting back into some lighter. That cigar is what did that for me and kind of pointed out the error of my ways in always looking for darker and heavier and stronger. And I think that I think there's a lot to be said for that. Our palate changes, but also we kind of have to urge our palate on. If all you do is every time you come in here, you go in there and you grab a LFD double Ahero, it's going to jade your palate a little. It's going to burn your palate out just a little bit. Yeah, it is. I mean, I had uh, I had a um, Andalusian bull this week, buddy of mine. So went to the shop in Atlanta uh, to have a cigar with a friend of mine, and I went to walk in the humidor, and he goes, "Uh, uh-uh. uh, uh, <laughs> and he opens his humidor, and he's got it, and he hands me an Andalusian bull. I was like, "Okay, it's going to be that kind of night. All right." Um, but that is one of those cigars, like, if all you smoked was that cigar or, you know, being an LFD, like you said, you know, it, it packs so much. It, I don't find that, that cigar has just a ton of flavor, but you do taste how strong a cigar it is. And I had another cigar after that. I had a Charter Oak. And, you know, that Charter Oak has enough flavor that it can usually play second fiddle pretty well. And I found that it was having a hard time getting a foothold on my palate because of the cigar that I had before it. Well, being as you've now brought the show full circle from where we started with gifting cigars to gifting cigars, I can't think of a better time to end it. Well, yeah, it is about that time. Uh, so until next week, if you want to give a, get a hold of us, and I hope that you will, uh, hop on over to facebook.com slash the cigar cast, or you can find us on Instagram and Twitter. I will post a picture this week of the uh, cigar rest that I use in my car. And uh, you can also get us info at thecigarcast.com via email. Well, thanks everybody for listening this week. And until next week, have a great cigar and think well of us. Mm-hmm.